were lucky, question mark, enough to be running the Total Weta Ultramarathon instead of commentating it, we'd be rocking the Ultraspire Zygos 5. This is the good as upgrade from the epic Zygos 4, which if you were interested is currently on sale at ultraspire.nz for 120 bucks. The 5 is more comfortable, it's lighter, stronger, more carrying capacity, the works. You can grab one of these gems at ultraspire.nz or such good sorts as Shoe Science Albany, Wild Things, Front Runner Columbo or Queenstown or further faster. You heard of those guys? ultraspire.nz good as tell you who I have heard of Wild Things the Aotearoa trail running institution you know the deal they've got the trail directory they've got the VIP lounge we can lounge around they've got the huge discounts in store we love them and we think you should do go check them out wildthings.club further faster you know the jingle they're in Christchurch they're the best independently owned outdoors resource in the known universe community stewardship dogs, the most amazing range of incredible gear, and kayak canoes and jet boils, which are two things with very close to my heart. 57 Sydney Street and 02 Tahi. Go check them out or hit furtherfaster.co.nz on the World Wide Web, bro. And go something like Further Faster, they're in Christchurch, Rocky is hairy and so is Badger, Jules is nice and Jacob is delicious, go to Further Faster now. Oh, Further Faster, they're in Christchurch, Rocky is hairy and so is Badger, Jules is nice and Jacob is delicious, go to Further Faster now. Dirt Church Radio. Episode 231 of Dirt Church Radio. I'm Matt Raymond. And I am Eugene Bingham, Tēnā We made it! We made it, and it's Tata Weta Week. Yes, depending on when Tata you listen Weta to Week, this. Tata Weta Week, even. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, I mean, it wouldn't be normal if there weren't a few curveballs. Uh, this time it's the unexpected closure of the Eastern Okataina track, which is a stunning part of the course that we've enjoyed. Mm. In previous years, oh, we've also uh, not enjoyed by slums. In previous years. Yeah, there have been times when I've sworn at it. I'll, I'll grant you that, but I wouldn't wish this on it. Um, look, yeah. Hopefully, by the time this comes out, you'll know more. Uh, we're recording this on Monday night. Full disclosure: I believe there's going to be some answers on Tuesday as to what's going to happen with the 102 and the 100 mile course, which both go through that section. But what a nightmare! for the Ironman team and all the organisers and Tim Day and holy maloli. Mm. It, it's interesting, isn't it? It's just taken, it, it seems like in the last 12 months, it's, it's, it's really been taken out of the organisers' hands in terms of adverse climate events that have affected UTA, Kosciuszko and... Um, Tarawera and yeah, well, I was I mean, making that point yesterday, wasn't I? That that yeah. um, uh, Tarawera last year, no go because of the pandemic. UTA in May cancelled. UTA in October, course change. Kosciuszko, course change because of snow. And now this, it's yeah. like they must be feeling cursed. But you know, that's such as trail running in the world in which we live. Mm. If only we could. I don't know. I don't. Damien haul it, but if only if we could collectively no, get our shit together, things might <laughs> get better, but that's pie in the sky thinking maybe. I, I My heart goes out to yeah. Tim Day and his course team. Uh, he's one of the most ableist human beings I've ever met. Uh, you know, he's, he's smarter and faster than most of us, and, and he will be problem-solving. 
and he will be thinking about the very best mm. way that he can get that course through whilst giving everyone from the you know the 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 sharpest knives you know to the to the dull spoons like me the best experience um that that they can and and yeah. you can't understate like I, I don't know just trying to plan out a, having having experience trying to plan out a, a half marathon that's hard enough um a marathon that's even harder 102 kilometer or a 100 mile course i just can't imagine the stress so you yeah know, yeah yeah just, and and you know thoughts too that sounds terrible but for um everyone who's trained for this event 100%. and you know you get it's uncertainty that's kind of sends you into a bit of a wobble but don't worry you've done the training mm. you know you you can't deal worry about the things you can you know control um just deal with those things that you can deal with and control and figure out and problem solve and that's what ultra marathons are all about yeah i was listening to something the other day and and the person was talking about a sphere of influence and a sphere of control so it's what you can influence versus what you can control now you can't control that uh, you know a kilometers wide section of the Orkatina trail has decided to jump into the lake you can control again like you said all those things and just try if you're listening to this if you're freaking out keep heart it, you won't be the first person who's run on a uh, Tarawera course that's been affected by either floods or fire or mm. you know yeah they have changed through the years I mean hell the 102 used to run the opposite direction yeah up until a couple of years ago so mm. you know you've already won you've done the training you're yep. there we'll yep. be there with you biggest fans um, yeah very first year I ran Tarawera 2013 fight course yeah so we ran instead of you know and we found out a couple of days beforehand I remember how disconcerting that was and worrying and everything but you know hey we got it done and I enjoyed it and I came back and the next year I ran it it was the cycling course mm. <laughs> Which went from one one extreme to yeah. you know to to the next, and uh, yeah. my goodness! But look, I it goes without saying we're beyond stoked. And I guess what what we need to talk about is, mm. um, and I wish we could put this in in post. And I'm not suggesting we do, but like kapow noises or whammo noises or think for our next because running down the the guests, we are lucky enough. Uh, you know, we're, we're in hog heaven. We are. Uh, going to be there one o'clock uh at the finish line in downtown Rotorua for the elite athlete q a and we have assembled with iron man's help a fantastic group of people um caitlin fielder you know uh tarawera 50k course record holder she was second overall last time the race was run um hayden hawks who's top ranked uh tarawera 102 male second at western states just a plethora of other amazing finishes. Lucy Bartholomew, who we all know and love, um, Tom Champ from 216, Trail Legend, she's doing the 100 miles. Ryan Montgomery, so an advocate in the LGBTQIA plus space, pro ultra runner, won a golden ticket at Havilene 100 and then was injured for Western States, um, back for redemption. And Zach Friedley, adaptive trail runner, and Trailblader star of Born to Run too. I I'm stoked. I am mm. sorry to overuse the word. Um, and look, if you fancy a bit of research into our elite guests, all but Ryan have been on Dirt Church Radio before. And what we'll do is we'll include the links to those episodes in the show notes for you, so you can go back and 
and have a hoon because you can they swat are, up. Yeah, swat, swat up. up. There will be questions. Yeah. There is a test. There will at the be. End. There will be. So yeah, we'll see you Friday one p.m. Um, if you're listening to this on Wednesday or Thursday, or even Friday morning, uh, come along. If you're listening to this on Saturday or Sunday, it was great. Yeah, yeah. And in that case, listen to next week's show because we'll play it anyway. Look, come along. It'll be fun and a great warm up for the race. The races. Uh, hey, a quick shout out to Shannon Rhodes who picked up the win at Pigs Backyard Ultra down in Dunedin at the weekend, going twenty five laps. Congrats! Amazing. It looked so. Have you seen the photos of all the people? Mm. Like it looks like a, it. It did, and not to be too, you know, it looked like a bit of a casualty event as everyone sort of floating in the river. Just each, yeah. each time they went past, just dealing with that heat. I think it was over thirty yeah. degrees at some points on that course, and that would have been utterly <sighs> brutal. But. Yeah, yeah. So well done, Shannon. Well done. Right this week, Daniela Danazine. My goodness, what what a conversation! Um, a five time world champion rower who represented Italy at the 2012 Olympics. Uh, he then, he always ran while he was training as, as a rower. Um, and he moved to New Zealand, took up trail running with a passion and is, there's no other way to really put it. He's carving it up. Um, he won the Crater Rim Ultra last year. He's come second at Old Ghost Ultra. Uh, and this is an amazing conversation with, you know, we, with Daniela. We talk about, the nature of competition and training, the difference between pushing yourself for a six-minute extreme effort, which he describes in terrifying detail, um, versus running an ultramarathon. There's also a bit about beer there. He's a champ. Not only is he a world champion rower, champion ultramarathon runner, he's a world champion brewer as well. Um, there's so much to this conversation. I find it super interesting when you get to peek into the mind of an elite athlete, no matter what sport they've been an elite in. And this certainly doesn't disappoint. Certainly does not. Right. Greatest run run ever. ever. Greatest run ever. Greatest run ever, which is the part of the show where we ask you to write into us and tell us your greatest run ever. And yes, we are expecting a Tata Weta bump after next week. Doesn't have to be a race or a mountain summit. It might just be a run around the block, something that's sung to you for some reason. Send them in to us at dirtchurchradio at gmail.com. And this is from Ryan Avery. I thought of this while listening to one of the others. One of my greatest runs ever took place way back in 2016 when I was asked to run the African X with my friend Stephen Tushert as one of the everyday runners of the Windhoek Light sponsored team. This was a three-day event with runs in the Elgin near to Cape Town, which ended up with 98 kilometers on rolling hills, totaling 2,600 meters of ascent. Oof. In the morning, we ran, finishing at the event area, we spent the rest of the day relaxing, eating together, enjoying our free sports massages and camping. What made this run so special was that there was running in teams, and while I was well into training for another race, Stephen was recovering from a rolled ankle, so racing was not a goal. He was focused on meeting people, enjoying the amazing scenery of the Cape and having a bit of a party on the way. One moment I won't forget was reaching the highest points on the route and jogging along singing Bohemian Rhapsody to the amusement of some around me and the annoyance of those really out of breath. (laughs) As a team event, it was also great being there for a friend who was struggling in pain but able to stick with him and support him to finish each day. And while our times were not the best, the memories will be one which will be recalled fondly. And this is why it's my greatest run ever. Wow, thank you, Ryan. And we are all about singing on trial runs, so all in favour of that. <laughs> Can I chuck a spanner in the works? What? I'm not so much into it. Aren't you? 
when I'm by myself and not around anyone, maybe. Oh, there is. Yeah. Yeah. Don't worry. Just yeah, I, mean, I, I wasn't saying we sing together. Like we're a barbershop duet. Duet. Mm, or anything. But I am in favour of singing on trails. You're in favour of singing on trails solo? Yeah, at the appropriate moment. Yeah. And and that's not to say, again, that's not to harsh anyone's mellow. Uh, you, you go, you, you, you do you, you belt it out. And I, I'll be, I'll be there for you. I will. Yeah. <laughs> and you, Ryan? <laughs> I think you'll be there for you. I can't tell. Thank you so much for sending it in. The rest of you, keep sending them in. Uh, be inspired. Don't worry about you know people doubting whether your moment is great. Uh, send them into us. Dirtchurchradio at gmail dot com. You rock, Ryan. Right. On with our chat. Oh dear. Okay. On with our chat with Daniela Denisine. Um what can I say that I haven't already said at the top? This is an amazing chat with a guy who just, he just, he's, he's epic. So yeah, without further delay, please enjoy this conversation with Daniela Denazine. Radio. All right. All the way from Otutahi Christchurch, Daniela Denazine. Daniela, welcome to Dirt Church Radio. Um, how are you? Yeah. Thank you for having me. Um, I'm all right. I'm all right. Um, yeah, just got back from uh, a big holiday in Italy. It was almost four and a half weeks, so getting back into it was a very, very busy week last week at the at the brewery at work. So, yeah, I'm a bit tired, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> we were just talking off um, before we started recording that you were, you know, back in a northern hemisphere winter and you were saying how mild it was. I mean, what was it like being home? Yeah, well, the the week before we landed, so we left uh, New Zealand on the 21st of December. And the week before, there was like a very cold storm uh, uh, from um, UK. And um, I actually had a chat with my partner here and I was like, I'm not actually sure if I'm ready for the for the cold winter because I'm not used to the very dry and, and cold weather that we have in the north part of, of Italy. And... Um, it was nothing like that. <laughs> when we landed, it was probably like 16 degrees. So it was um, very kind of a weird feeling. It was more like a middle of spring, like early middle of spring feeling, to be honest. There was few few trees that were already blossoming. So it was, was weird. Not, not a very good season for the ski fields, apparently. They had like a, a big snowfall um, early, early in the winter. And that was about it. It actually snowed on the last three days that we were at home. So it was good good for them, but was probably a bit too late after Christmas holiday. So, um, yeah, it was, was, was weird. Well, it was good for me at the end of the story because like, it was more enjoyable than like minus six or minus eight. <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> I think it was honestly normally was like, yeah, something, temperature, something between 12 to 16 degrees. And we had one day of rain, and that was it, basically. Wow. Yeah. Where, where is home? Do you want to tell us a little bit about you know where you, where you grew up? And yeah, well, like? I, w- uh, I was born in Como. Um, it's like 45, one hour more or less um, north of Milan. And I, be- I grew up on um, Lake of Como. I grew up in a small village called Lezzano, very close to uh, Bellagio, which is probably like kind of a slightly more famous than Lezzano because it's right on the middle of the lake. So it's, um, it's getting very popular nowadays. 
um, is very is, is probably too much tourist tourist around now during uh, summertime because the place is got like we went like uh, crazy the last probably like four or five years and um, more or less same as here in New Zealand so everybody figured out that it's a beautiful place and everyone everybody wants to go there there is not enough toilets not enough car park and you know the same old story um, yeah but that that that's where I basically grew up is like 21k from Como on the lake so yeah my house is two minutes walk if I if I walk two minutes down I'm I'm basically down it on on the lake wow so was it a like kind of a, a rural upbringing? Or, yes, or yes, yes, yes. Village yes. life, or yeah, 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 kind of a village life. Everybody knows uh, everybody, and um, if you do something like the old village <laughs> knows before you actually did it. Um, yes, two two thousand people. Um, yeah, that's how big it is. Wow. Yeah. And I mean, I guess one of the things about Europe is we're often. Uh, dwarfed here by the sense of history how, how long has your village been around for oh fool. this is a, a tricky one i'm not sure um well it's definitely during roman's time there, there was already people there because we have um, um a tower that is being built by romans so um yeah but i think well, way before that um wow but I, i'm not 100 sure <laughs> And I guess there's several advantages to growing up in such a such a lovely uh, you know location, and and one of those is the is the sports and pastimes that are afforded to you. I mean, Daniela, one of the things that I guess people don't know about you, or maybe they do, is just you know your history with rowing and <laughs> the you know the success that you've had of that. How did your love of of rowing start? Um. Yeah, uh, so everything started when I was probably, I think was probably like I was yeah, 10 or 11. And my dad basically was the coach of the rowing club in Lezzano. And uh, I was playing football like 99.9% of the kids in, in Italy. But I was very often sick, um, especially during like winter training because we were basically... I was very, very skinny, and um, yeah, it was uh, I was I, w- I wouldn't say like every day, but we were training like two or three times a week. But at least once a week, I, I, w- I was basically sick. So my dad, at one point, was like, "Oh, you know, it would be great for you to do something different than than football because you are basically very weak and skinny. So if you it would be great for you to, you know, like." Um, put up on a bit of muscles and uh, do some some other thing if you want to. And uh, he never forced me. Um, he asked me if I was keen to go down at the rowing club and um, give it a go. And, yeah, that basically everything start, started over there. Um, yeah, it was probably like, yeah, 1995, I would say. I was born in 1985, so, yeah, I was probably like 10, 11. And everything, well, was a lot of fun. At the start, we had a lot of friends, and um, we were training very hard from the beginning. I'm not sure if was a, uh, if that that was a, like a good or a bad thing, but we were training basically seven days um, a week, um, wow. 365 days a year. Um, also, Christmas Day, we were training in the morning. Um, 
yeah, that was about it. And and I figured out that I was quite good at it, and I was having fun. And one thing basically moved to it others, and yeah, my career started like um like a, I was playing basically. What boats were you in? Like uh, in I, I was I was so so lucky enough that that my my dad was um. He always said to me that you have to be able to um, row in every kind of situation. And if you have an opportunity, you have to grab it and try to use it as best as you can. So I basically was able to move from the single to the double, to the four, to the quad, to the eight, to the pair. I was able to do more or less everything. So I won four world championship on the um, quad. And... Uh, I won one with the eight, a silver medal with the double, a silver medal with the four. Um, yeah, a bit of everything. <laughs> wow. Yeah, if, it was the, so, if there was a, a, a seat available, I was, yeah, going for it. <laughs> yeah. Was that your, was that, you know, was that your intention from the start to be, um, you know, jumping in whatever boat you could, and or was, um, or did you start off dreaming no, of being a? I think I think single skulls world champion or something. Yeah, my my well, still my favorite boat is the double, and that was my main goal from the beginning. But we we always had a very strong in Italy. We always had a very strong crew on the double, so it was very difficult to find a seat um, in there. And yeah, my last last option was probably the four, but I ended up doing the Olympic Games on the four, so. Yeah, <laughs> give it a go, and yeah, if it work out, it's good. If not, yeah, yeah, at least you try it. And I understand that with rowing as well. There's not only are there different configurations of boats, so single, double, four, eight. There's also different weight categories. Yes, yes, yes. Um, uh, unfortunately for my body and my mind, I was a lightweight. <laughs> um, so basically, we only have two weight category in rowing. Um, so it's lightweight and heavyweight normal normal people basically <laughs> so lightweight you have to you are allowed to be maximum 72.5 kg but the average for the boat has to be 70 kg so if we are on a double and you are 72.5 i need to be at maximum 67.5 so average has to be um 70 kg so i was the lucky unlucky light of the boat so i was basically keep everybody um on weight so i did the olympic games i think was like um 66.8 kg or something like that yeah 66.8 yeah with a bit of experience you are actually able to figure it out like 50 grams (laughs) wow and and what would a a a non-lightweight athlete what are the what are these what are the oh what are the well, what are they, they running at? Yeah, they're normally around like two meters tall and uh, yeah, around hundred kg, hundred and ten. Yeah, so right. there is a big gap. But like, if you if you well, not not all of that. Like uh, a two good friend of mine, uh, Nathan and Joe, they won the Olympic Games Kiwi. They won the Olympic Games in the double, and I think they were both of them like around eighty five kg when they won it. Mm. So yeah, it's it's a bit of. You know, you you have to be strong, but you also have to be able to actually make the boat the boat run efficiently. With with like, you don't have to waste too much power. So some most most more of the time, like the the heaviest that you are is 
the harder it is for you know because like your body is moving um is always moving so you basically um with your power you're giving speed to the boat but then you have to move again that speed so is is you have to be gentle also you have to be able to move on the boat so sometimes to be that heavy is not a good thing if you're not actually able right. to use your weight properly mm, so you could have so, the biggest so much- boat Sorry, you could have the biggest boat full of goons that you wanted and it wouldn't matter how sort of muscle-bound they were if they didn't have that sort of yes. technique. Yes, exactly, so. yes. And also if they not work well together, like the team is making the difference. So well, at least like if you are on the single, you, you, can, you, you can make the difference. But if you are like from the double on, if the team is not working well together, you're not going to go anywhere. Mm. It's so much about timing and um, the majesty of just working together and being able to yeah, be but, in synchronicity. Yeah, also, also like having fun outside of uh, training times. I think it's more. It's very similar to like um, if you do it in um, one hundred miles. You know, if you don't have like a, a super crew that is actually enjoying what they're doing and um, they're not having fun is everything is harder if you if you're having fun with the, with your crew or with your team while you're training everything is easier looks like you're not even mm. training yeah 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 <laughs> in that regard what, what was it like going to the olympics and representing your country at the olympics well, was, Were you uh, still able to maintain that fun and and yeah unfortunately um, not unfortunately not but that's that's a very it's a kind of a very raw story. So um, going to the Olympics was uh, um, was my dream when I was when I started rowing. I, I, I say straight away to my dad, I was like, the main goal is go to the Olympics. It's not just well, we having fun, but yeah, I think when I was probably already thirteen or fourteen, that was my goal. Um, unfortunately, the Olympic year was not that great for us. So with the same crew, we finished second on the World Championship the, on 2011, the year before the Olympic Games. And um, yeah, after that, we had, that, that year was amazing for us. We finished second and we won the European Championship also. Um, and everything basically became super easy. Training was easy. Um, the boat was moving super fast with almost no effort. Um, and the Olympic year, the, the year after, was all the opposite. Everything was hard, and um, we kind of start fighting to each other. We were not. Uh, that, I think that that's that's when you know when everything is easy, and um, the the next year everything is hard. It's, it's very easy to you know um, broke that uh, balance that you have on the boat. And yeah, we mm-hmm. start like looking to each other and say like, oh, you did that, I did this, and blah blah blah. Um, yeah, that, that year was horrible. Well, it was, was good for, you know, we went to the Olympics, but um, as a result, yeah, the result was not what we were expecting. And also because, like, the four is uh, um, is one of the most, uh, not, com- like, it's difficult to explain, but, you know, in, in less than one second, you can win the Olympic Games or finish, like, in 12, like we did. So it's very, you have, like, 12, 13 boats that's super close together. So if you're not under 10%, you know that you're not going to finish on the podium. <laughs> yeah. So it comes down to real small margins. Yeah. Real yeah, small differences. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think one, 
at the at the world championship the year before we finished second but between the first so the final is at six boats um only six boats are on on the final and i think between the first um and the the last one was probably like 1.3 seconds or something like that yes nothing yeah <laughs> mm, mm. God, it's just so dramatic and that's part of the drama of rowing too yeah, yeah, a, yeah. as that, a spectator that, i love it it's that that, yeah. that was the, the the best part for me um well when you finish on the podium when you when you finish fourth it's not that great but um, yeah you know like you know that is is probably all the sports you know like if you are able to do your 100 percent and you're happy with what have you done the result is something um that is not extremely uh, super important. If you're happy with, like, if you've done your 100%, if you've done your maximum, that's is what it's all yeah. about. Yeah. Of course, it's, and that, the, yeah, after the Olympic Games, like, that the, was was difficult to digest. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was, yeah. It was not yeah. that great. But, yeah, overall, like, looking 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 back now, I, I can definitely say that it was an awesome experience. And uh, I, I, in that, like, three, four years, I made, like, friends and, like, they're going to be, my friend my best friend for the rest of my life so when yeah. when i when i got back when i well uh last time that i was back home was four and a half years ago um and now you know we have a daughter that um it, she was like seven months old when we were there so we had a lot of friends and family and uh everybody wanted like it was looking forward to meet her and see her but I was like, I definitely need to find time to go down to Naples because one of the guys that we did the Olympic Games together is, is from Naples. And I was like, I definitely need to find the time to, to go down there. So I basically, I um, I took her and my partner down to Naples for like one and a half day. So it was, <laughs> yeah. it was a bit um, in a rush. But yeah, like it, it's basically that's what sport is all about, you know, making friends and uh, no different people and no different cultures and you know yeah the result is important yeah of course i w- would be happier if we we won the gold <laughs> but yeah yeah we've done what the, like, the maximum that we could so yeah and that's the thing with rowing i've often said you know i was lucky enough to watch the rowing at um in 2008 and 2012 olympics and you know, right through the field, you just see crews which have just given everything. There's just nothing left in them. Yeah. And sometimes that means they've won, you know, like the Evers Swindells when yeah. they won that dramatic race in, in 2008. Yeah. Yeah. yeah was, no one knew. We yeah, were just screaming, nothing. going, yeah. did they win? Did they win? <laughs> um, you know, versus, you know, somebody who looks like they've given so much and they come away with fourth. Yeah. yeah. And yet they're, and yet they're just, exhausted they've given everything yeah. it's such a brutal sport yeah rowing rowing is horrible for that point of view it's probably one of the um i think it's probably the only sport that you basically you starting it's only like a six minutes race but on that's during the six minutes you honestly you're thinking to stop for probably like at least 30 times because you, you're doing the first minute or probably a bit more like minute, minute and a half of the race that you are basically like full out. And then you have to deal with the um, lactic that you produce on the first minute and a half. And you basically have to train your body to use that as an energy. And mm. then you basically playing around your deadline <laughs> for other four minutes. And the last minutes you basically full out again. So you, yeah, it's... It's, insane, it's insanely horrible. <laughs> yeah. 
yeah. sometimes like when i'm when i like if i have to describe like to describe to someone that he never never uh, done rowing in in his life is very difficult but i try to explain to scotty we were running once um here on the port hill and i was like well if someone is gonna ask me to do like a 2000 the rowing race is 2000 meters long and you can do 2000 meters on the rowing machine on the ergo machine which is horrible i say like if someone is gonna ask me to do a 2000 meters full out on the rowing machine now or go and run 160k i'd definitely go for 160k <laughs> easily <laughs> Yeah, no. It's, how long? It's, I mean, it speaks to. I like how you sort of you talk to that sort of relatively tranquil four minutes in between when you're just trying to cope with how badly you've beaten yourself up in the first minute and then preparing for your next minute. But how long would it take you to recover after, say, like an A race, say the Olympic final or one of the five world championship races that you won? What, what's the what's well, the recovery time after that? Well, that's that's the. That's also another tricky question. Like, depends. Like, if you're doing like a final that you are f- full out and you 100% prepare for it, and you also mentally prepare, and you know that after that race your season is over, I would say probably at least at least because like I would say like a month easily, but more mentally than physically, because physically we all train quite a lot. So you 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 probably be able to do like two very close performance in during the same day. Probably I would say like if you're doing like a two thousand meters in the morning and you then you 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 basically do a bit of um a, like a good cool down and uh, you probably be able to do another two thousand meters full out very close to the first one on, during the afternoon. I would say. But you know, after the World Championship, you have, you have to do so many races that you more or less always at your limit, or sometimes over your limits. And everything is happening in four days, so you have you have to do like first race and then semifinal. Like some, sometimes you have to do quarterfinals, semifinals, and the final. Yeah, I would say like you 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 mentally exhausted, and you know that that's the end of the season. So it's um, yeah, it looks like crossing that finish line is more like yeah, we've done it. And we can <laughs> we can have fun now, have a, like a month or or something like that off, which is normally not not that long because like you you always say like at the end of this season I'm gonna take like a full month with no rowing or no training, and then after a couple of weeks you kind of want to do something because uh, that's what that's what we basically do for <laughs> for living. Uh, well, back back then. <laughs> I mean, when you talk to your training load, you said, you know, you trained on Christmas Day in the morning, you trained uh, the other 364 days of the year. Was, I mean, was running ever a part of that? Or how did you come to the fact that, you know, you're well, running ultramarathons now? Well, because we, especially during during winter, we're doing, um, well, during the whole season, we, we normally do like when we move professional, um, you always do at least two sessions a day. Like some of some of some some country they normally do like also some for some days they normally do, they also do three three session in one day. So they normally do like early morning and then like um, um, a quick breakfast, um, like one hour or one hour and a half um, rest. Then they do another session and then lunch, rest again, and around like 5 or 6 p.m., do another session again. Um, 
Yeah, so normally normally it's like um, two sessions a day. So you have, uh, especially in wintertime in Italy, we don't have, same as here in Messina, we don't have that much daylight. So it was normally like for, you know, like if I was a, a training camp with the national team, uh, was normally like a, a good session on the boat in the mo- during the morning. And um, the afternoon was like, uh, or um, a session on the rowing machine or a session with uh, at the gym or um, a session with run uh, or cycling if it's not too cold or run and gym after. So run was a big part of our training program was at least like three times a week. And normally uh, I always been quite good off run off, yeah, in, in running. So I was running was my kind, kind of my rest day. <laughs> yeah. So I was always happy when there was like um, run on the um, afternoon. Yeah. The six foot hundred k guys wouldn't be much. No, so no, no, no. They normally, they, normally, <laughs> they normally prefer cycling or uh, do a session on the ergo machine. So, yeah, I've, yeah. As as I always been like that. So if someone, I I always hate the rowing machine because like doesn't really matter what you're doing is it's gonna be painful. Like doesn't really matter if you're yeah. going hundred percent or eighty percent or sixty percent for three hours. It's gonna be mentally and physically. Ex- painful so which is very good for training um so we we normally do that well we were doing that like quite a lot especially during winter time um yeah but if 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 i was able to choose from rowing machine or running definitely running (laughs) (laughs) so when did when did running uh take over and becoming become your main sport uh definitely when we moved here in new zealand um, so how, how did you move to New Zealand? How did, how did we catalyst? move to New Zealand? Uh, so yeah. in 2010, I came over here for the World Championship in Carapiro, um, yep. um, Hamilton, Cambridge. And after that, I spent 10 days on the North Island, traveling around with a van, and another 10 or 12 days on the South Island. And... Um, yeah, I was not. I was not expecting the country to be like that, uh, because I've been um, in Australia a few times before that. I was uh, in 2005. I spent like a month and a half in Melbourne training and partying. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was not expecting New Zealand to be like that. I was uh, expecting New Zealand to be more similar to Australia, so I was quite surprised. And I remember back then the beer quality was was quite horrible. <laughs> So after uh, 2012, when um, I decided to quit rowing after the Olympic Games, um, so I started basically working in Italy, uh, but I knew that was not my thing, what I was doing in Italy. And uh, my partner was keen to do something else. And that was basically our last chance to apply for um, the working holiday visa here because we were 29 back then. And that was the last year that we are allowed to do it. And then we, so the plan was like to, I was like, we have one year. This is the last year that we can apply for New Zealand. She never been here before that. So I was like, we can go to New Zealand and figure it out if you like it. If you like it, we can try to, you know, find a work visa and try to, you know, like go move forward from that. And if you don't like it or if you don't 
it's not going to work out well for us over there. We're going to have another here that we can apply for the work holiday um, visa in Australia. So we can go to Australia and we can travel around there and um, and start all over. Um, but yeah, everything worked out quite well. And uh, she obviously liked New Zealand. So um, eight years and we're still here now. <laughs> yeah, so we we basically permanent resident now. And uh, in what's today the thirty? In fifteen days' time, we're gonna have the ceremony for the. Um, so we're gonna have our, our Kiwi passport. So we're gonna we're gonna nice. have our citizenship ceremony. So in two weeks' time. Fantastic! So I think congratulations. Yeah, I think every everything is. Uh, it it worked out quite well at the end of the story. <laughs> yeah, it has. It has. You mentioned, I mean, you mentioned brewing. Uh, you mentioned the beer quality, how appalled you were. Um, I mean, was that something that you, you are a brewer of beer professionally now? That's your yeah. job. Um, when, did, when did that sort of spark your interest? Is that, were you doing that in Italy or? Uh, yeah, I think it was around probably 2008. Um, yeah, probably around yeah, 2007, 2008, we started brewing at home with a, um, a very close friend of mine already back then. Then we ended up doing the Olympic Games together. So we were, um, our houses were probably like 20, 25 minutes apart. So when we were not um, in, uh, training with the national team, um, we, we were basically brewing at home training and brewing at home like once a month or something like that. And everything started basically over there. Um, and then, uh, yeah, 2010, I remember all the beer that I had here was not, um, uh, well, well, they didn't blow my mind, Was I would say like that. And, uh, what a diplomat. <laughs> yeah. But, <laughs> but I have to say, when we moved back here in 2015, the first beer that I had was a, uh, um, was a very good one so i was like i think i think we are too late here now so i think we because the, the my main goal was to open something like a sort of brew bar here but as soon as i tried the first couple of pints in in oakland i was like hey, yes yeah, it's, it's too late craft craft beer um boom as, as arrivals in new zealand and um yeah i think now the beer quality in new zealand is, is amazing yeah What do people make of? I mean, it's it's an interesting one with alcohol and exercise, and alcohol yes. and, and and sort of sport, and, and there's lots of, you know, you think about all the sponsorship issues or, or or what have you. But what do people make of your of your background? That you know, you're you're this this person who brews. There, I, I guess there are not many Olympian five time world champions that are, <laughs> you know. Uh, yeah, no, I, I don't think so. What, what, you know, on the mesh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I think like one of my uh, nutritionists was o- always said to me that beer is probably one of the best drink after sport. The only issue is the alcohol. So if you're taking the alcohol out of uh, the beer, is probably one of the best drink that you can have after um, a training session because it's full of carbs and there is proteins in there. And it's a very, very um, balanced um, drink. Yeah, the issue is the alcohol. Um, so you don't really want to have like a, a 10.5 ABV beer straight after you run 35K, definitely. 
but I would say if you if you're going for a um, 2.5 or now nowadays you can find also like a lot of um, no alcohol beer. I think it's one of the it's natural and um, it should be no preservative or something not nothing bad for your body. So it is yeah the alcohol is the issue. But y- you know sometimes when you are very very tired and well most of the time when I was rowing like. It, it was always also kind of difficult to go to sleep because your your body hurts like all the time, like legs and arms and back and everything. Um, I'm not saying that I was drinking when I was training because like also because I was lightweight, alcohol is not that great for if you are on very, very strictly diet. So, uh, but sometimes I have to say like sometimes like a pint of beer and, um, during during dinner was fine i was quite i always quite enjoyed it um yeah but of course alcohol alcohol is is we all know that it's not it's not that great for your body you always have to use it carefully and um yeah but i would say like after kepler i have i had a couple of couple of pints and that was was great (laughs) so someone is uh thinking camille here and for instance have um made a thing of consuming during races have you ever oh, no, I, I never, drunk beer I never tried. during a race like i never tried i never tried but i um yeah that's probably my weakness part for uh, running long distance so my stomach still well my mind also still a six minutes race <laughs> so yeah that's that's unfortunate I, I, i'm i'm working on my mind so I'm, I'm able to pace myself way better than the two years ago um, but my stomach still a uh, work in progress. So I definitely not going to be able to drink a beer while I'm running. <laughs> I'm not even able to drink a Maybe Coke the... while I'm running. Oh, same here. <laughs> okay. I, I, I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. In fact, Matt and I were at uh, Wu2K a couple of years ago and I can't remember how I ended up having a Coke at the last aid station. You saw me have one. So Kate, so yeah. how it was and it looks so Kate good. was like, here, Matt, yeah. have this. And it literally was, the sun was glinting. It was late afternoon. Yeah. I was like, it looked delicious. good. I was tired. You know, I thought this little bit of sugar will help. So I took it and I immediately regretted it. And <laughs> it's horrible, I'm isn't it? Very sorry. <laughs> yeah, I'm very sorry to the people of Wellington whose streets I was running through at the end of Wu2K because I was covering the streets with the. Yeah, coal. it's horrible. There is nothing that you can do when it's, when it's too late. It's, no. it's, it's too late. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, so I, I, I'm also, I, I I'm also. Well, my main issue is also that I'm suffering a lot with cramps because I, I think right. I think because like my mind and my body they're still still thinking that it's a six minutes race. So huh. I'm always having cramps, like not during the training because normally training I'm able to pace myself better, but all the races that I've done, all of them, at least like twice. Yeah. Well, all goes to. What was it? it? Was before COVID, so it was like three years ago or something like that. Yeah, I was suffering from basically the halfway through to the end. <laughs> it was horrible. Wow. <laughs> I, I got to say, why why do you do why do you do ultras? Then? I don't. I don't why don't know. you do? Um, why don't you do like you know fifteen hundred meters? I, or, well, I'm definitely not fast enough know, for 3, that, that kind of race. I'm I'm always been. Um, well, I'm I'm actually able to suffer a lot for a long time. <laughs> that's that's only because of rowing. 
And I think ultra yeah. is is basically the best expression of it. You you know at the at the start of the race doesn't really matter how fast you you're gonna you're gonna go. You know that it's gonna be pain and suffer. I guess that's the thing, isn't it? It's almost like you've taken the training aspect of rowing because you do this massive volume of training, and then it's sharpened to this point of your competition, and and you've applied that to the to the ultramarathon mindset. What was the first time that you, you know, you've moved to New Zealand, you're hanging out in Christchurch, and what was the first uh, trail race you did? Uh, the first one was. I think it was Mount Oxford. Yeah, it was Mount Oxford, the, the 20K, because a friend of mine was doing it, and he asked me if I was keen, and I was like, yeah, well, why not? It's 20K, it should be all right. And I've done that with no training at all. So that was probably uh, 2019 or something, yeah, something around that. And the last time that I trained myself was basically 2013 with rowing. So, um, that race was actually was actually quite quite good for me because like it's the like it's, it started straight uphill, and it's like um, I think it's like 11k of very very hard and steep uphill, and then it's all downhill. So that one was was kind of alright, but straight after that. Rocky from Further and Faster asked me to do Mount Olympus. And I was like, well, I've done the 20K with no training. I was fine. So I'll, I'll do the marathon. <laughs> that race, I'm, I'm always going to remember that race. <laughs> <laughs> I, sta- I started that race with one gel. And uh, there was no aid station with no water. I started with no water at all. And uh, I was second until the 24K or something like that. And then was the hell. (laughs) Yeah, I started cramps and stomach problem and everything. It was also because it was like 29 degrees with no wind, so it was not a good good choice to go with no water. Um, Yeah, horrible. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, don't do that. Don't do not do that, especially with no training. Um, yeah, it was not fun at all. Yeah, it was not fun at all. I couldn't walk for two weeks after that race. Yeah, yeah. So, wow. I think that's the thing, isn't it? With one of the wonderful things about our sport and our culture is, and we say it again and again. You know, like even if we're on the start line, we're at the same event with elite athletes briefly, right? Like you're never going to row in an, uh, your average rower is never going to row in an Olympic final. Yes, but you know we can all say that we've run with you know X Y Z because we were in that race with them. But I think regardless of where you are on the on the bell curve, everyone has that experience that yeah. they that time that they got it just that badly wrong. You know, whether it be <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. you taking off with the one gel, me, me showing up to my first ever winter race in Riverhead with like white Nike road shoes or, you know, thinking, oh, this will be fine. I've, I've done it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, so like, many times. I'll be all right. <laughs> Eugene and the Coke. You know, there's always a – that that thing is – I wonder how – I wonder why we do that. You know, you'd think with your degree of – and and that's not a judgmental thing at all because God knows that I make yeah, mistakes no, I, I think most was, every time I step. Uh, 
Why I are we was, doing? I, I was expecting. Well, I was expecting. Um, I had to readjust my goal when I well, basically after that race, Rocky asked me if I was keen to do the Craterim Ultra here in Christchurch, and I was like, "No, nah, man, you you need to ask me." The same question in like a couple of months time not now because i'm gonna say no straight away um but i definitely was expected that was um less painful less um less hard easier i think because you know like sometimes at, at home like also with no training um i basically like grew up on that village on the lake and let's you know it's basically super close to the lake but it's also super close to the mountain so for example when i was home i just straight from from my place outside from home i start running and i did uh i think ended up doing like 16k with almost uh 700 meters of elevation so it's basically it's basically what i normally do and uh i was like yeah i was doing that like basically every day and i'm not gonna push at my limit this one because i know that i'm not trained for it um yeah, but that's really mad. The forty-two k or forty-two k. That's really mad. If how, how fast you go, yeah. or uh, if you if you're not ready for it, they're gonna be painful. Also, if you're ready for it, but if you're not ready for it, <laughs> yeah. don't do that. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I think it's mo- mostly in, in experience. Like you, you thinking that that you are not like a superhero, but you, you're thinking that yeah, it's gonna be hard, but it's not gonna be impossible or super hard. And then when you are in that situation, you are like yeah. <laughs> whatever I've done to myself. <laughs> <laughs> you really do have to respect distances, don't yeah, you? And always, that's, always. No matter, yeah, I mean, it's all, it's relative, isn't it? When you're starting out, uh, uh, you know, just running around the block could be really, really hard for you. Um, but yeah, it's, it's all about respecting the distance that you're in. How hard is it for you to pull back or how hard was it? Because I guess now you don't need to so much your competitive instinct because i imagine that that is very fierce for you uh so how how do you manage that yeah well it's still still quite hard <laughs> to be completely fair like when when i'm at the starting line with daniel jones i'm always want to try to stick stick to it but he's too fast so now <laughs> now no, i know that I, I can't i can't stay with him um but yeah i think it's more you know, the, the main goal at the end of the race is to uh, have the best result as possible. So now I know that for having the best result, I have to pace myself very, very carefully, especially the first part of the race. Um, so that that's basically what, what is stop, what, 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 what I'll basically, I, I'm able to stop my easting to try to go with the crazy fast guy in the front. So I'm always thinking about the finish, the end of the race, the finish line instead of the yeah. present. I know that if I, I'd probably be able to stay with Daniel maybe for 5, 10K, then basically I have to walk the rest of the race. <laughs> um, so I, I know that if I'm pacing myself, I'd probably be able to finish way better than than do a full out for the first 10K or do like a, um, a 95% of my maximum on the first 20k or something like that so it's um but it's still still very hard for me to to yeah uh pace myself and say like let them go they faster than you yeah 
Yeah. I mean, yeah. not to not tell to, us about. Um, sorry, Matt. No, no. Sorry, I was just going to say. You know, like not to hide your light under a bushel. You know, y- you won the crater rim. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> I had to pace myself also on that one, though. <laughs> But I mean, Sam McCutcheon's quite a fast gentleman, isn't he? And um, you know, like it's that was the that was the New Zealand Trail champs, and I understand that you know you're not an athletics yeah. club member. But what yeah. was what was that experience like? Um, so I took a lot of out from the first first um, cratering that I did. That I was basically I led the race until the last 100 meters when Bajin overtook me on the flat just before the bridge <laughs> um, and I finished second. Um, so I knew that Sam was a, was a fast guy. The main issue for me for that race was I, I was not ready for it because I was training for the wild, which a couple of weeks before we figured out that yeah, it's been cancelled. It's been cancelled. So I was planning to do Kraterim as a, a part of a big block of training. So I was planning to do but the main main plan was to do the um, 52k race on Sunday, um, and then do a very very big block on the next week. I was planning to go to Arrow Town and check out part of the of the course. So I was planning to do something like um, from Sunday to Sunday, something like around like 200k, 250k. I'm not 100% sure now. I have to recheck my notes. Um, so everything went wrong basically so the race got cancelled so i was like well i'm i'm into crater rim so i'll I'll try to give it a go um so i had to basically change my training program during the last two two weeks um yeah i basically show up and i knew that was very very competitive race because like badging was there as well um and uh yeah I, I, i basically at the start line i was there with no expectation i was like i know that i'm well, I was well trained by then um, because I was doing a good, good um, volume. But I was like, I know that this race is quite fast. It's not. It's not. There is not that much uh, of elevation. So I was like, I'll give it a go and see how it goes. And Sam, well, we went out, Sam and myself, on the first part of the race, and then halfway through the uphill, he he was way faster than me. So I was like, I'm, I can't stick with him. If I if I try to stay with him, I probably ended up doing the same same as three years ago um struggling the last 20k and crying <laughs> so i basically uh i basically went up went up to uh mount herbert with my my rhythm and i i knew that uh, I, I i was not expected to be that good but i'm i'm actually very very good on downhill that's my kind of forte so if uh, I was just running my pesos on the on the downhill, and I was basically um, able to catch him, and basically we ran until the first aid station together, and, um, and then I went on front, and I was try to keep a good pace, but not too crazy, and apparently it was enough to beat up a bit of a gap, and um, yeah, ended up winning it. But I was struggling with cramps also that race, the last ten K. Thanks God. Thanks God the last part is downhill down to Rapaki track. Um but down if you guys haven't done it? No. So basically the last the last uh I would say like twelve K or something like that, 
It's 7K, basically downhill, super runnable, like four-wheel drive, uh, gravel road uh, downhill. But halfway through it, there is a loop of 4K, of flat-ish. So that 4K is extremely extremely long when you when you're tired and you're cramping and you can you, you basically you basically can see the finish line from there and instead of go, going straight you have to turn right to the loop oh. and back to the downhill and uh yeah on the downhill because like that's where i basically spotted the vagin um four years ago i was running that loop and i was crying i'm on honestly i was crying and I, for the first time, I had a look back on uh, my shoulder and I saw him and I was like, oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then I was able to keep him um, at base on the downhill on Rapaki. But yeah, as soon as we, we, we hit the, the flat, it was basically just flew over me. Um, yeah, but this time yeah. on, on the downhill, I, I, I was basically running, always looking. I was like, I know that Sam is, is coming. I know that Sam is coming, and I didn't. I, I was I was able to finish first, so um, that was yeah. a good. Well, that was a good race. I was happy with that with that result, and I was happy. Rocky was super happy at the finish line, so it was a um, good feeling. Yeah, yeah, and also like you know, it was the first race that I did with uh, my my daughter was there, so it was a bit of a different feeling. Oh yeah. wow! Mm, yeah. yeah, yeah, it was good. Superb. And I yeah. understand that you've got Coast to Coast coming up. Yes, I figured You're it out. Part of the, <laughs> I figured it out. The, I've, I've done my research. Uh, <laughs> are you looking forward to that, the mountain run? Uh, not really, unfortunately. Um, yeah, because like training has not been that great, great in Italy. I, well, if it's a race, that, that kind of race that we're talking about, beer, wine, and food, I'm definitely ready for it. For running, uh, ish, ish, um, yeah, but um, yeah, I'll, I'll be happy to represent for the faster again. It's the uh, the third times that we're doing the the team. Um, well, races is always good. I know that it's gonna be horribly uh, painful because you know goat pass is not around a, a that you should do uh, unprepared. Um, but I'm. Fortunately, I'm lucky enough to be quite good on um, riverbed run. So uh, I probably balance it out with the lack of training with hopefully a bit of technique. And um, yeah, well, well, I'm not looking forward to it, but it's less than two weeks away. <laughs> <laughs> you just have yeah, to Yeah, we, it. Give, it, we yeah. give it a go. I know that, that day uh, I'll, I'm going to be happy to be at the you know starting line and um, waiting to... Mm. Uh, the teammate to pop over with the bike and um, do the transition. So, and you know, Goat Pass yeah. is a, a beautiful part of the country. So it's always it was always amazing to be there. Um, yeah. Hopefully the weather is not going to be too bad. Hopefully the weather is going to be good. So if the weather is good, it's going to be a good day. Yeah. 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 I, I think we've got. All what the... else does? What else does twenty twenty three hold for you, race wise? Um. Well, I was planning to do uh, All Ghost Ultra, but I don't think I'm, I'm, I'll be able to do it um, physically um, because, yeah, it's the week after Coast to Coast or so two weeks after Coast to Coast. So um, I haven't yeah. been training for basically six weeks. Um, yeah, I don't know what 20, 26 is going to be because, like, well, I was lucky enough 
um well 2026 <laughs> 2023 is gonna be uh because i was lucky enough to have um the in-law here for three months and then um after them my mom um came over here for that three months and now my sister is here so basically they they we were able to you know have always family around us and uh we didn't have too much trouble with our daughter but from middle of March, we're going to be basically just the two of us ah. plus her. So it's going to be extremely challenging for me to train. Yeah. And uh, as I always say, if you have to do something, it's better to do it properly and do your 110%. So if you're not focused for sure. or if you have something else going on in your life, it's probably better to um, have a rest and think about it and see if it's actually worth it and there's um because of course we are gonna take a long a lot of time away from a daughter and um yeah we'll we'll, we'll see i'm not saying that i'm i'm, I'm mm. gonna stop running but probably i'm not gonna be that competitive or that mm. um well trained like i was this year and last year um but definitely yeah. i'm definitely i'm keen to do some races probably probably not the the wild anymore because it's that it's gonna be too long with yeah. like couple of couple of training a yeah. week um yeah but yeah. N- not sure yeah. i'm definitely keen to try to give it another go to all ghost ultra um yeah probably not this year ne- well never say never if i do all, all ghost um um the goat pass and uh, coast, goat coast. pass and i'm feeling right i might give it a go but i don't think it's gonna happen uh you know experience is, huh. is telling me that is um it's gonna be a hard race Especially for the yeah. two, three, four, five, six, seven days after that, knees and yeah. everything is is gonna hurt. <laughs> Our sport, uh, some of the most famous races are in Europe. Do you ever think of going back there and racing? And if you do, will you be carrying? Will you be running under your New Zealand passport now? Um, yeah. Well, I had a chat with Scotty before. Yeah, December. And I was like, yeah, I would be very keen to, you know, because like if you actually want to see your level, um, you definitely have to go in Europe or, you know, uh, in the States and um, and do one of the big races like UTMB or uh, something like that to actually see how fast you are. Um, but of course, I'm not going to do it if I'm not fully focused and fully trained for it. Um and it's also quite hard to find a um, a ticket for for go for, for do that. So uh, I entry. So um, yeah, I'm I'll probably this year I'll probably go with the flow and see if um, something's good is coming out from uh, uh, training and if I feel alright. Also, if I'm you know, it's it's all about balance. If you if I I'm, if I'm able to find my a good balance between training uh, and family and work because of course work is a big part of my daily routine. Um, if I'm able to find a good balance, like I was, I was training like before, before, um, crater rim, I was training, uh, before work. And, um, if I'm lucky, I normally start working at six. If I'm not lucky, I normally start working AM. Uh, if I'm not lucky, I normally start working at 2 AM. So it's going to be quite challenging to do, uh, uh, a training session before work um if i'm not fully fully focused 
you know when you put your alarm at midnight or three o'clock in the morning if you're not 100 percent sure yeah. of what you're doing you're gonna switch it off and turn around and go back to sleep <laughs> it, it strikes me that anything with oats involved generally anything anything with grain you're up early for some reason, like bakers, brewers, <laughs> yeah. farmers. I don't know what that's about. But it's so nice to hear you say that in terms of, you know, the balance is this word that gets thrown around so much, right? And, and I remember we, we spoke to Dean Carnassus who was like, balance is an illusion. You know, I running sort of consumes me, but it's nice to hear it from the other perspective of you as an, you know, as an elite athlete and, and a former you know, a former space, you know, five-time world champion. You've been an Olymp, you were an Olympian. Um, it's it's lovely to hear, and I think as a, a you know, sort of a middle of the pack enthusiastic amateur, it's really nice to hear you say. It's pretty cool that you just actually can choose to focus on something else. Yeah, because um, like when, when it's time to go, you go right. Yeah, but when it's time to rest, you rest. Yeah, especially if you if you have like a a good mindset, but. What, of course, if you if you want to do good results and be at your hundred percent, you you need to have like a, a fully focused mindset, and you know mind and body has to work together. If one of them is not hundred percent, is training is not gonna um, have the same effect, basically. So if you mm-hmm. if you out running and you're thinking, oh, I'm not sure if I if I should be here, I probably it's probably it was probably better for me today to take a day off for some reason, or because like you know like. Um, your girlfriend or whatever ask you out for um, a beer or for ice cream or for a walk or whatever and you and you're like oh no I, I have to go running and when you are actually running you kind of regret your decision um, that's probably one of the worst feeling that you can you can ever have so I think if if you're not if you're not hundred percent focused and happy of doing what you're doing is is probably better if you um find something else to do or do the same thing but probably less like instead of going running like six or seven times a week probably try to do four times a week or three or two or even once like once a week is fine um or and also on the other way if you're not happy with what you're doing like in your life like with regarding your relationship or uh, your work or whatever if you know if you're not 100 percent sure you know that you're always gonna have that time of um time if you're on, in your life that you're not sure of what you're doing but you have to you know like keep a moment um think about it and see if it's just a moment it's just could be like also like a month or something like that mm-hmm. um or it's just actually what you there's something that you don't like anymore so that's basically what I did when I stopped rowing after the Olympics. I was like, I'm, I'm, I've done my best. Uh, I've been training for almost 20 years, every day, twice a day, um, all year long. And um, it's something that I loved. There's something that, you know, like I, I had like awesome results. So I'm, I'm not regretting anything. But yeah, after the Olympic Games, I was like, I, I had a chat with my crew and I was like, I think, um, I think you should, because we were all all four of us quite young back then, so we definitely had like other two at least two Olympic cycle in our legs. I was like, that's that's about it for me. So I'm I'm gonna uh, find something else that is um, challenging me in a different way. Um, 
because basically that's I was not hundred percent happy of what what I was doing. Um, and um, yeah, so it's it's always yeah, it's balance is is always especially like nowadays it's always difficult to find. Um, we all we all busy with work and life and friends and relationship and everything. Um, yeah, but it's all it's all about priority. So what's most important for us, we should just follow follow um, our mind. The mind is normally the one that is actually telling us what is right. So um, it's better to you know take a time for um, ourselves and think about what we're doing and if we're actually happy why we're doing it or or no if we're not happy we should change something in in italy in italy we say that we are not uh, um, a tree we're not like a, a, the plants so we can move around so if you don't like something you are actually you have the opportunity to move and change something on your life if you if you are a, a, a apple tree you you can't move from there so thanks god we have legs so and brains uh, so we can Think about it. What makes us happy, and if there is something that is bother us, we should probably try to change it. I'm not saying that we 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 always we're gonna be always able to do it, but uh, yeah, I think I think priority in our life is um, also because the time 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 fly. Yeah, uh, it looks like last year that we moved here to New Zealand. So yeah, yeah, time flies. Look, Daniela, that was. Uh, incredible like such wisdom thank you so much and you know time has flown you've been so generous with your time i shudder to think what time you've got to get up in the morning tomorrow uh with your hectic work schedule but look tell us daniela what's been your greatest run ever uh like like um it's up like to to, you, to, man. talking about results or talking about actually no the best talking run. about that run if if I said to you okay you could have you could have one running memory you can only keep one running memory for the rest of your life I'm definitely gonna what go with the uh, old ghost ultra yeah it was such a well I was also like extremely extremely lucky with the weather it was like super sunny day no wind and they probably didn't had rain for four or five weeks before the race so everything was dry and um was a very weird feeling on the west coast was a a very dry hot day and um and the track is is just beautiful it's awesome like the view from from the ridge is just insane insane and was also also my hands down my my longest run ever um and i finished second so i was i was super super happy and i had like a super lovely day um i remember uh ruth was there so we we um yeah she she, she i was like uh i think the uh, lake lake hut i think it's the name of that hut um more or less, well not it's not halfway through it's way after halfway through it's like 5 hours mark or something like that and uh she basically stopped Walk, she walked with me for a bit and um i was like uh yeah i'm i'm a bit like i'm i'm not super happy i'm uh, feeling a bit pain and cramps and everything and she was like yeah just put one foot after the other one step after the other and you'll be all right and i was like well actually so actually she's right 
Yeah, but honestly, oh, all goes to if you've yeah. never done it, like just run it because it's awesome. And honestly, the organizer are just hands down, like amazing, amazing. And like also, if you don't have time or you not find the you know the entry for for the race, just go and uh, with the mountain bike because like it's awesome. Like what they actually were able to do there is just insane. Like you are on the middle of nowhere. Um, West Coast weather, we all know how West Coast weather. We also all know sand flies over there. They're horrible. And the fact that they actually were able to build that track on the middle of nowhere is just, it blew my mind when I was there the first time. Everybody told me it was like, oh, Ghost Ultra is beautiful, it's beautiful. Then I I remember I text um, Grant and um, uh, Grant was like, well, if you, if you, if you were in my shoes, <laughs> you can you can definitely have a, a free entry. I was like, I'm always using Scott Grant, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, he gave me he gave me free entry like that, so I got a free entry um, out from him. Um, yeah, but honestly, it was yeah. If I have to choose one one memory, it's definitely gonna be that one, that race. Yeah, fantastic. Look. Bravo. Daniela, thank you so much for coming on to Chitrader. We really appreciate it and look forward to catching up with you soon, man. Please take care. And um, you know, thank you for your wisdom and here's to a wonderful twenty twenty three. well, hopefully hopefully uh more race to for everybody. So that means that COVID COVID is well gone and because uh, you know, race is, is why we actually training. You know, uh, you know, like um, see friends and um, opponents and uh, do the race and catch up after the race for a beer and uh, a burger or a, a pizza or whatever. So I would say, like, yeah, more more race for everybody and um, yeah, more for Oakland, more um, uh, hopefully less rain and more yeah. more, more yeah. sun because today here was was stinky <laughs> hot in Christchurch. So yeah. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully, hopefully COVID, COVID is gone and we don't have to think about it anymore and we can go back yeah. to our normal life and um, no more um, tests or anything. Just enjoy their life yeah. like we were doing before. Yeah. Enjoying life. Here's here, mm. here, here. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Thank you, guys. Have a good one. That is some of the best advice I've heard on Dirt Church Radio. Don't be an apple tree. I love it. I I love it. it. I love it. And I love how his dad's like, you know, and I can't not imagine in an an Italian accent, you know, you're too sick, you're too skinny, you're getting sick playing football, come do something like rowing, put some muscle on you, (laughs) you know, like. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) get up at four in the morning or something. Amazing, amazing. Amazing. Yeah, and, and as you said at the top, a great insight into the elite athlete mind, which is yeah. always fascinating. What I love too is is there seems to be this, and I think you know Chris McDougall said it as well. There is this get up at all costs, smash yourself if you're hurt, push through it. If you you know that sort of narrative, you're going home. Either you're going home in an ambulance or you're not. You know. I really like when Daniela said, if you show up, you show up 100%. If you're thinking about 
And this man's a five-time world champion and he went to the Olympics, right? He's won five gold medals at a world rowing championship. Show me a tougher sport. Um, the, when he said, you know, if, you, if you're going on a run and you're thinking about, if you're having a regret that you should be with your significant other, you know, or having that ice cream or having a walk or having a, a glass of wine or whatever, and it's not a key, you know, must-do thing, it probably means that you've made the the wrong decision. You know, consistency is wonderful, and it is, and it's that's key. But also, we got to live, you know? And I think that's the thing, isn't it? When you show up, yeah, just be show ready up. to show up. Mm. There ends my TED Talk, I guess. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we're so excited. We're so excited to see you all at Tarawera. We can't wait. Um, do come to the finish line to see us do the elite athlete Q&A do come up and say hi to us we we love meeting people um and we'll be at the finish line we'll be at the start line so we're starting the 100 miles we're starting the 102k which is is quite an honor and then we'll be there through we'll be the night train rolling on from 7 p.m to 7 a.m 8 a.m in the morning and uh yeah it'll be, it'll be, be good fun but look Thanks, everyone. Thanks, Daniela. And thank you very much for tuning in. We're on social media at Dirt Church Radio. You can email us at dirtchurchradio at gmail.com. You can find us on all the podcast platforms. Like and follow if you fancy. And you can download direct from the website, which is dirtchurchradio.com. Don't forget to send in your greatest run ever, the best song I've ever sung on a trail. Matt would love to hear that. We'd love to hear from you. And you can read them on the website. Send them into us, dirtchurchradio at gmail.com. Thanks to our sponsors, Scott Running, Further Faster, and Cielli. Thank you to our Patreon patrons and Wild Things. And thanks to our editor, Kieran. Look, see you at Tarawera, and don't forget to come along. I said it before, I'll say it again. Come to our live show. Let's throw down. It's going to be epic. Hey, Corner. Thanks, Rippy. <laughs> <laughs>